Hello, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. Uh, today we have Dr. Loretta Bruning on the show today, and uh, she's going to be talking about how to retrain your brain and the habits of a happy brain and retraining it to boost your serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphin. Those are all the feel-good reward chemicals that we're always after with all these little behaviors that we have every day, uh, trying to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Um, so uh, really, really good show. You know, we talk about um, all of her tips on how to boost these chemicals and, you know, why uh, cortisol, the stress hormone or stress chemical is so quick to be released. Um, we talk about, you know, you know, why things that happened to us in the past help, you know, kind of create these pathways in our brain and make us, you know, release dopamine. If we see ice cream or release dopamine and feel a reward, when we look at our phone, because, you know, that social media is in there and it's so entertaining. And uh, we just talk a lot of, uh, about a lot of topics related to that. And we talk about that famous, uh, you know, rat study where the, the rats, drank cocaine from a water bottle, pressed a bar and got some cocaine and why they for, forsaked, uh, you know, sex and food and water uh, for the cocaine. Why cocaine is kind of similar to ice cream <laughs> and why we get, you know, the reward when we, we eat or see ice cream. Just a lot of really interesting uh, tips today in the show. Very good podcast. And uh, also, you know, it's really interesting or really key to know what drives our behavior and how we can boost these feel-good chemicals because that, that's what you're after. So we're just going to hack that brain a little bit today, hack those feel-good chemicals. And I'm, I'm really excited about uh, a new program I developed called the Emotional Detox Program. This is another way to do a hack to uh, you know feel better, feel more happiness and love and peace in your life because that's what we're all after. We're not we're not looking detox. We're not really we're not looking to you know listen to a thousand hours of podcasts. We're we're after you know feeling good, uh, happy, uh, peace, and love. And so. Uh, one thing that prevents us from feeling that way is if we have a lot of negative emotions, a lot of ch uh, childhood or adverse childhood experiences or ACEs that happened to us in childhood that today are causing a lot of different, you know, maladaptive behaviors, causing you to feel uh, more stress, causing you to have physical health issues. The research shows that 65% of physical health issues are caused by emotional trauma. Um, and so if you have a chronic health issue or you just feel like you've done everything uh, for your health and you're, you're, or you're generally healthy, but you just don't feel good emotionally, you may want to take some interest in my free masterclass and take it. It's totally free. You can check it out at emo-detox.com, emo-detox.com. And in this masterclass, I talk about all the statistics around, you know, why you may not be feeling good, why you may be having these physical health issues and the latest cutting edge conventional medical research on using sound therapy to actually very easily tune these negative frequencies out of your energy field to, you know, release these stuck emotions, release these emotional traumas and change your life and access that joy and peace and love uh, that you're after. So re I'm really proud of this work and I, I really want you to take a minute to, to check it out.
This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Eco Foods line called Cacao Bliss. I love Cacao Bliss. It's so delicious. And so nothing feels better than being able to enjoy a rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing that you're doing something good for your body. So they start with 100% organic cacao beans. They're naturally kissed by the sun maintaining its miraculous health benefits. And then they blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best that you ever have. And the result is that you fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. So not only that, but it's friendly to paleo, it's gluten-free, it's keto, and it's also friendly to vegan and vegetarian diets. And for the last eight years, uh, they have been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. So you can try some Cacao Bliss and get 15% off by using the code D detox, go to link shop.earthecofoods.com slash M detox. And you can learn more at Instagram at the Danette May and at Earth Eco Foods. So our guest today, Loretta Bruning, she is the founder of the Inner Mammal Institute and Professor Emerita of Management at California State University, East Bay. She is the author of many personal development books, including Habits of a Happy Brain, Retrain Your Brain to Boost Your Serotonin, Dopamine, Oxytocin, and Endorphin Levels. And as a teacher and a parent, she was not convinced by prevailing theories of human motivation. And then she learned about the brain chemistry that we share with earlier mammals and everything totally made sense to her. So she began creating resources that have helped thousands of people make peace with their inner mammal. And so Dr. Bruning's work has been translated into 12 languages. And before teaching, she worked for the United Nations in Africa, and she is a graduate of Cornell University and Tufts. The Inner Mammal Institute offers videos, podcasts, books, blogs, multimedia, training programs, and a free five-day happy chemical jumpstart. And you can learn more about Loretta and her work at innermammalinstitute.org. Loretta, thank you so much for coming on the show. Nice to be here. Yeah. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about, you know, why our brains produce so many ups and downs and, and why it's so hard to be happy. So many people struggle with that. And uh, th that's what we all want, right? We all want to be happy. Why is it so difficult? So I'll give you two simple biological reasons. So one is that happy chemicals are only meant to turn on in short spurts. They're not designed to be on all the time. They're designed to motivate specific survival behaviors. And then when the short spurt is over, there you are. <laughs> so um, if you can accept that rather than thinking that I should be on a high all the time. So that's one thing. And then that's the happy chemical side. Then on the unhappy chemical side, whatever triggered your unhappy chemicals, your cortisol um, in the past, wired you to turn it on faster today when you see something similar. So each of us is sort of like seeing the world through the lens of the worst moments of our life and projecting that onto whatever comes along. 
Okay, great. And and so tell us a little bit, like what are the job of these neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins? So I'll give you the, the really short version of each one. So first we've inherited these happy brain chemicals from earlier mammals. And the reason I focus on these four chemicals is because their only job is to make you feel good to motivate a specific survival behavior, whereas like this hundreds of other chemicals with different jobs. So dopamine is the core that rewards you with a good feeling when you meet a survival need. So a simple example would be from an animal perspective, an animal is hungry and it finds food, dopamine turns on, that relieves its hunger, that feels great, and it builds a pathway so the next time the animal sees that food, the good feeling turns on and it motivates the animal to go toward it. So that doesn't require any conscious thought. So now if we, if I find myself drawn to a tub of ice cream or a video game or whatever it is that people feel drawn to, and sometimes healthy things too, um, it's because it met a need in your past dopamine turned on and said, wow, get me some more of this. This is what I need. And that's why it turns on so easily today. Yeah. I definitely have had a lot of uh, rewards for eating ice cream in the past. <laughs> Luckily I don't, uh, I don't have that trigger. I think I broke that, uh, that path in my brain. So I'm, I don't, I don't go there anymore. <laughs> Yep, exactly. You know, I had a funny experience where my refrigerator broke and I, I couldn't, it wouldn't like the ice cream melted. <laughs> that was, that was a big help. <laughs> you can see how that's sort of part of everything, but then let's get to the more um, social rewards because dopamine is a reward, which is anything that meets a need. So in the modern world, where your survival needs are more easily met, we focus more on social needs. But we have to remember that this system evolved for our ancestors who had to spend almost all their lives foraging for food. So they got very excited when they found water, protein, fruit. So they were always looking for one thing or another. And that's what we're always doing is like, when you have one reward, you look for another reward. So when your physical needs are met, you look for social need. So there's two kinds of social needs. So there's the sort of a Disney version that we hear, which is, um, we'll call it acceptance and belonging. But from an animal perspective, it means that you're protected by the herd. So if I'm a zebra and I'm trying to fill my belly, but I have to spend every minute looking for predator, I can't eat. But when I'm surrounded by my herd, then I can let down my guard. So that's what we all look for, that good feeling of like, oh, I can let down my guard because I'm surrounded by my herd. So that's really effectively a selfish feeling. Like, I want you to protect me from predators so I can eat. But the Disney version of it is, yay, we all stick together and protect each other. And, and that is sort of healthy because if I just want you to protect me, then you're probably not going to go along with it. So oxytocin rewards us with a good feeling when we take action to get social support. And then it only lasts for a few minutes, which is why people are always looking for that next way to get social support. And uh, the next big one is serotonin. And people have heard of this from um, antidepressants. 
Um, but that's not how it works at all in the animal world. So this is very different from what you hear anywhere. So for a whole century, uh, researchers knew that animals were very competitive and they're always trying to one up each other. And if I try to grab a banana and you're a bigger monkey than me, you're going to bite me and I don't want to get bitten. So I'm going to pull my hand back, but I still want a banana. So I'm going to look for a place where I'm the bigger monkey. And then my brain's going to reward me with a little bit of serotonin. It says, I'm, I got it going on. I'm strong enough to do what it takes to meet my survival needs, despite a world of rivals. And you could see how much we want that feeling. And a nice way to talk about it is call it confidence. And then what about endorphins? So endorphin is chemically the same as um, opioid or morphine. Our body naturally releases it when we're in physical pain, because in the state of nature, when you're in pain, you have a short window of a good feeling to mask the pain so you can run to save your life. And after that, you feel the pain because that tells you to protect your injuries. And so everyone can imagine this. If you slip and fall and people say to you, are you okay? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. But then 15 minutes later, you say, wow, I'm really injured because endorphin masks pain with a good feeling for 15 minutes. And you could see why this is attractive to people. And a simple example is if you get into a hot tub and that's really pain and it feels so good, that's why it feels good. But then after 15 minutes, it wears off. And in order to get more, you would have to make the water hotter, but that would be crazy stupid. So we are not meant to purposely inflict pain on ourselves to get endorphin. It's only there for emergencies. So we're meant to seek the others, but not endorphin. Yeah, that's where you see a lot of people running. They want to get that runner's high and those endorphins. I've never, ever experienced runner's high because I just don't run. <laughs> but yeah, the, I'm like, that's one way I'm like avoiding that that pain and uh, whatnot. But yeah, we're... we're we want to seek out pleasure and, and avoid pain. And that's why we're kind of move. We have all these behaviors that we do to get the, these, the hit, like the little rat with the, the bar with the, trying to get cocaine out of the water, you know, to, we're trying to get rewards that classic experiment of a con classical conditioning uh, where we're seeking pleasure and trying to avoid pain. Um, but what about cortisol? So cortisol is our stress hormone. Let's talk about that because a lot of people are, you know, chronically stressed or they have a very high stress set point from having a stressful childhood. Like uh, why is the cortisol turning on so easily? Sure. But um, do you mind uh, later if we go back to the rats and the cocaine? Yeah, let's go. Let's do the rats and cocaine. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Um, <laughs> no, it's, you know how like, in uh, like I spent most of my life in academia and there can be like nasty wars over little minutia and there's sort of a nasty war over this rat and cocaine thing. <laughs> of course I had to bring it up, bring up the controversial uh, tidbit. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't, like don't want to get in trouble, but anything I say is going to make somebody mad. Um, but so in the past, rewards was equated with pleasure. And 
if you have this pleasure definition of reward, then in a way it doesn't make sense because why would a rat push that lever to the point of dying? Because like they said in that experiment that the rat goes without food and water and sex opportunities and just keeps pushing the lever until it dies. So the modern way of thinking about it is that dopamine, which is you know chemically similar to cocaine, is the anticipation of reward, okay, rather than reward itself. And but so that's what academics say. What I say is um, this cocaine is more dopamine than you could ever get naturally. Yeah, that's why it's like a bigger reward. So that's why you're ignoring food, sex, water to the point of dying because your brain says, oh, this is better. And that's why you're fooling it. Um, so the where do we get this idea that I anticipate a reward? This is going to feel so good. It's from dopamine in your past. So what in my past told me that ice cream is going to feel so good? So partly in a way, it's like cocaine, because in the state of nature, there is no ice cream. There is nothing that's that good. <laughs> I know? love how the ice cream is now the cocaine. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's better if you're on cocaine, ice cream's better, right? But anything that's more reward than you would get naturally, or more reward than you got in your past, your brain says, wow. And the wow builds a dopamine pathway. And then you look for that. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's, let's go back to the cortisol. So, so cortisol is a stress chemical. So why is, why are so many people dealing with a constant, you know, releasing cortisol? Why does it turn on so easy? Sure. So in the state of nature, you had real survival threats all the time. Like you didn't find enough food. You were hungry. You were thirsty. You were cold. You heard um, lions roaring in the background. So this constant, constant sense of threat that people had was real. So that cortisol system to constantly, like you're only focusing on the most immediate threat. So I always say, if a gazelle waited for the world to be 100% safe before it went out to look for food, it would starve to death. So you're always just dealing with the most immediate threat. But in the modern world, when you're, there are no immediate threats. So we learn to focus on more distant threats. So what are the more distant threats? Well, there's two things. One is you could turn on the news and have people constantly terrorizing you with this, this threat and that threat, which is what many people do. But in addition, how does your brain define a threat is whatever turned on your cortisol in your past. So if you grew up without hunger and thirst and cold and predators trying to eat you, then whatever turned on your cortisol, maybe your brother stole your cookie. You know, maybe you didn't get invited to a birthday party. So that's the cortisol circuit that is like your navigation system. So now anything that fits the basic pattern of your brother stealing your cookie or not getting invited to that birthday party, that's what turns it on. So you could see how like in your work day, like a hundred things can turn that on. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, so you mentioned like these chemicals depend on being wired 
you know, by past experience, but uh, what does it take to rewire that and to kind of just, uh, you know, get what we want and like turn on those happiness chemicals we want with the rewiring? Sure. So there's a few different ways and two of them work and one of them doesn't work. So I'll, st- uh, I'm sorry, there's three ways, but only one of them is going to work for you. So the big way is to be young. <laughs> so when you're young, your neuroplasticity is high, which is why children, you know, the expression children are sponges and that builds a new pathway from anything. But well, that window of opportunity is passed for many of us. So the next one is for a big surge of chemicals. So simple example is like, if you get a promotion, if you fall in love, like something big happens and that wires you to then look for that in the future. But that's not reliable. You can't count on like, oh, I fell in love with a person with red hair in the past. So now I'm going to spend my whole life looking for someone with red hair. So that's not real. So we need a more conscious way of building a new pathway. And that is repetition. And repetition is unfun. (laughs) And that's why not everybody is motivated to repeat the new behavior until it wires in. And so that's why I always focus on animal trainers who have sort of perfected that art of repeating a new behavior. And I could explain how to do that. Yes. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah. So um, I should tell you my most exciting example of this. You may have heard about dolphin trainers are um, the ones that have done a lot of work, dog trainers, of course, too, but dolphin trainers, um, the uh, inventor of clicker training was a dolphin trainer and, and effectively uh, invented clicker training. So the, the principle is that you give a tiny reward for a tiny step, because when you want to try a new behavior, if you don't know how to do it, like a dolphin doesn't know how to do a flip, then a big reward isn't going to motivate you because you just don't know how to do it. So, but if you get a tiny reward every time you take a step toward it, then you have um, the incentive, but it only works if the trainer refuses to give you the reward unless you take a tiny, but a new step toward the reward. You can't reward things that are not going toward it. And the reason is exciting for me. So in Mexico, they have dolphinariums, you know, they places where you can swim with dolphins and they have a, a behind the scenes day with the dolphins. So I've done that twice and it's the most exciting thing ever. So not only do you get to go in the water with the dolphins, but they teach you the hand signals. Then they allow you to even make up a new one and teach a dolphin a new trick. So it's very cool if you get to do it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and it's re- it's really interesting. I mean, I remember when I would train uh, my dog Jezebel. My she's dead now, but when I would train her, she was very highly motivated motivated for food. Even the dog trainer was like, "Wow, she's like so motivated by food." So she was very easy to train because that was her little currency. And other dogs are not as motivated by food, you know. Mm. It's, you know, for whatever reason, I, I can't imagine not being motivated by food. <laughs> Cause I'm such a foodie, <laughs> uh, but anyways, so, um, so let's talk about, you know, social media a little bit. 
and how this is kind of maybe shaping our behavior. A lot of people addicted to social media, a lot of people spending a lot of time on social media. And, and so what does this social comparison do to, or like, lure, how does it lure us in and, and how can we stop it from making us unhappy? Because, you know, the research shows that when you're on social media, you're comparing yourself to other people, other people seem happier than you are. And then we end up feeling less than and miserable. Like what, what's going on there? Sure. Um, first, if I may um, address like the, the healthy side of social media so people understand why they're drawn toward it. So part of it is that you're meeting that need for having that feeling that you have a herd immediately, right? Then um, the serotonin, when the animal feels that it's in the one-up position and it's going to get the banana, get that immediately, right? And then what if I'm bored and I can't think of a way to have a herd or to be in a one-up position? Then my dopamine tells me, like, as soon as I look at a phone, I'm like, it's like a, a, a pathway that said in the past, it felt good. So you anticipate that it's going to feel good now. So those are all the natural reasons that you would want it. But also, I, I, I want to talk about what I think is so important is why don't we just meet these needs in other ways? And I think what people need to understand is like this thing about rejection. So if I invite you for coffee and you tell me that you're busy, that's not a survival threat. But if, if in my past, I had a bad feeling about rejection. So my cortisol turns on and I'm like, I don't want to ever do anything that gets me rejected. I don't want to apply for a job where I might not get it. So if, when people say, oh, but if I just live in the digital world, I never have to deal directly with that rejection. So I think that's a big part of it. So that's why people go there. So now, now people are being told to blame the social media for the bad feeling. But I think it's important to understand, you know, why you're doing it, what you're getting out of it. But social comparison is something that mammals have always done because in the animal world, I have to have a realistic sense of my strength. If I think I'm stronger than you and I'm not, you're going to bite me and it could kill me. If I think I'm weaker, like I'm a little monkey and I'm never big enough to get anything, then not only am I not going to fill my belly, but I'm not going to get mating opportunity and my genes are not going to get passed on. So natural selection builds a brain that says, I'm going to assert myself. I just got to find the right moment. So that's why it's always doing the social comparison thing and rewarding it with a good feeling. So even before social comparison, people went crazy for social, uh, even before social media, people went crazy for social comparison. And the great example is that when people wore corsets, like everybody would make the corset tighter and tighter to the point of, of practically killing themselves. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad I didn't grow up in those times. I'd be dead. 
<laughs> tying that corset super tight. But yeah, in in back in the you know the nineties, you know when I was growing up, you know you did it through magazines. You compared yourself through magazines and and television and things like that. There's always always a way uh, to yes. compare yes. yourself. And so, so do you have any tips around social media and about how maybe, you know, we're kind of nice to kind of recognize why we're comparing ourselves, but is there a way to be happy and, and be on social media? Sure. Um, uh, it's very individual, um, but what's universal is, and so people can come up with their own plan, but what's universal is we all want to meet that need for feeling one up. We all want to meet that need for feeling like we have a herd. We all want to meet that need for doing whatever relieved my cortisol in the past. So if you give yourself other ways to meet those needs, then the social media will just sort of drop off on its own. So what are other ways to meet that need? So let's get to the big one. This, um, I, my inner mammal wants to be in the one-up position. So how can I do that? So the bad way is to put yourself up by putting others down. And if you do that, then you sort of, you build a lens on the world where then you think other people are putting you down. So the simple answer is to look for ways to put yourself up without putting others down. So what I recommend is, for one minute, focus on your own strengths. Don't dwell on other people's weaknesses. Don't dwell on other people's strengths. Just focus on your own strengths. Do it for one minute and do it three times a day. And it takes time, repetition to build the practice because, you know, first when you do it, you think, oh, my strengths are so lame. You know, my strengths are not. But then with practice, you say, well, in the, you know, yesterday I had a problem and I solved it. Last month I had a dilemma, but it's gone. So you can just build that confidence in what you do. And then that builds a pathway. And then you may say, oh, well, that's fake. But in fact, you're obsessing over your weaknesses is just as fake. So you're building, I say, it's like putting contact lenses over the glasses that you've already learned to look at the negative in yourself. And then you're putting glasses over the negative to adjust to have both. Okay, got it, got it. And so you've written a book about all this stuff and the habits of a happy brain, retrain your brain to boost your serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphin levels. Can you tell us about that and, and some ways you suggest for, for boosting these feel-good chemicals? Sure. Um, so I've written a lot of books and the book that's mostly about the one I just said is called status games, why we play and how to stop. So that's the one that's mostly about social comparison and how to rewire your mm -hmm. social comparison. So my introductory book habits of a happy brain, retrain your brain to boost your dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins. So that has a, a shorter treatment of each one. So since I already did the serotonin, I'll do a quick one on the dopamine and oxytocin. So the simple way to rewire your dopamine is to have a short run goal, a long run goal, and a middle term goal, because steps toward a goal are what triggers dopamine. And if you have some huge giant goal, then everyone knows that feeling that you just get frustrated, right? Uh, so if you have a short run goal every morning and you know you can reach it, then you have some of that dopamine every day. 
And then when you're, you could take a tiny step toward your long run goal every day. And when that path is blocked, then you have a middle term goal and you focus on that so that you can shift your focus all the time and always be making progress because that's what triggers dopamine. Okay, great. Mm, oxytocin. So um, the simple way of looking at that is that I used to call it trust, but so it's really trusting yourself to be able to get the support you need when you need it. Because like the, the core mammal brain is very tribal. Like I feel safe because I'm with my tribe, but animals have a lot of conflict in their herds and they just as soon spread out. They only cluster when there's a real threat. And people who live in tribes, they don't get to make any of their own choices. They just have to follow the herd all the time. So we don't really want that. So your, your inner mammal, it wants protection all the time, but it doesn't want to deal with the frustration of always following the herd. It wants like that protection from a parent, but then it doesn't want any of the frustrations of having a parent. You know, it's like, I want my freedom and yet I want you to do things to make me feel safe. So how can, so we have to be somewhat realistic with ourselves and in adult life, there's a, a mutuality that I offer you protection and in exchange, I can get protection. But if you look for one, one, one for one reciprocity, you get disappointed. So I learned this from monkeys we've seen like in videos when they groom each other's fur. Like if I groom your fur, you may not groom my fur back, but then when a predator comes, you may help to protect me. So this is, we invest in other people. We do nice things for other people. And what I call it is we build the bridge to other people and we can't predict when they will cross it, but we trust that we have a support network that we need. And it's not about giving money to strangers because when you give money to that homeless person, they're not gonna be there for you when you need it. So really you have to take the risk of building bridges toward real people you know, but not build bridges in a way where you're trying to run their life. So you're just building a tiny brick every day to a different person and then being grateful when they cross the bridge. Yeah. And, and be careful. Don't keep giving, giving, giving and giving, and then not get anything. You have to know when to, when to stop investing in this person. You know, when they're yes, not, exactly. Not and that's why like only one little brick one day to one person and another little brick, another day to another person. So you don't become a slave to any one person. And that even the monkey brain knows how to do that. When a monkey grooms someone and then they don't return the favor in any way, like in mating season that they forget them, um, <laughs> then they stop grooming them and they mm -hmm. groom someone else. Yeah. Even the monkeys can learn that. Like you can too. I, that was a really hard lesson, right? Cause I'm a, I'm a giver. I love giving. So now I know I want to cut, cut those monkeys off. <laughs> yeah. So can you talk about any like free resources you have that kind of delves deeper into these topics? Sure. Um, depending on how deep a person wants to go, <laughs> because it, it varies widely. Um, for people who don't love to read, or if you have someone in mind who doesn't love to read, I have a video series 
youhavepoweroveryourbrain.com and it introduces all of this. It's free. I've made a new video series that's not going to be free. It's an online course, but it's not out yet. But um, the the free series um, is in five-minute segments, and they're very entertaining and explains uh, everything I've said. Um, so then I mentioned the book. My website has everything. So innermammalinstitute.org. Innermammalinstitute.org has all my social media um, and uh, a wide variety of resources for whatever learning style you have. Hey, great. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting website. I really, you know, caught my attention. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's nice. It just ties into everything you're doing and, you know, that animal behavior and transferring it to, to us as humans. Um, well, thank you so much, Loretta, for coming on the show. And uh, everyone, uh, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Thanks for tuning in every week to the Meyer Detox podcast, where I just, just hope like one little thing that you take away from this could, could help you to improve your life. And that's why I do this. So thanks for tuning in. And I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.